episode 28. Grunge. Whatever it says. Eight or nine of this season. Okay. Episode uh, 28, I want to say, of all time. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations to us. So today we're going to be talking about our favorite books. And why are we doing that? National, National Book, Book Day. Day. It is World Book Day. World Book Day. In the United States of America, which is where we're from. Wait, so it's World so Book it's Day? So it's not World Book Day. Yeah, it's called World Book Day, but yeah, Irish I mean, World Book Day was... Well, in March, I the think. United States thinks that they're the whole world. Yeah, yeah, once again, this is a prime example of the United States thinking that they are the world. <laughs> but happy World <laughs> Book Day! <laughs> Yeah, so, we like them. Yeah. There are bits of paper with words written on them. Um, you probably like them as well. If Maybe. You don't, that's fine. You know, we walked past a shop the other day called Bookmaker. Yeah. Do you guys think that they make books like like are they authors or do you think they literally glue books together? They glue books. Interesting. See, I, I just like to believe that they're like a creative author and they're like. <laughs> Like, like a hipster author. Yeah. So when everyone's, like, when, when, like, their moms say, like, oh, my little Billy, he's writing a new book. And he's like, mom, I'm not make, writing a book. I'm making a book. I'm uh, a bookmaker. Like, that's what I imagine. Oh, okay. Like, little hipster Billy is just, like, huh. doing wow. his own thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, what bookmakers uh, are we talking about today? Um, we're talking about our favorite bookmakers. But, okay, so these are our favorite books. We should preface this by saying our favorite book is the Bible. <laughs> after, after the Bible, I also love, like, catechism. So, have you all know. sat down and read either of these books? No. Cover to cover? I have, to have to tell you, I've read Genesis four times. Four times. I liked it. Okay, but the rest of it? I've started reading those parts have you, as well. Have you read Numbers? Leviticus? Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy? I like the Gospels. I like Matthew. He's I do a good too. one. John, good. Revelation, kind of cool. Yep. I do like the Bible. It is probably one of my favorite books. Now no, this I, just well, in. Maddie doesn't like the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's dishonest to say it's our favorite. <laughs> yeah, I, cover I, cover. Think, I think this is pretty truthful in the sense that sometimes it's really cool. But you would never read the maybe wait some people. Katie maybe, would never read the Bible. But you would you would it's never be it. like you would never start the Bible and be like, well, at least I want it and be like, oh my god, I just can't put it down. I just can't yeah. put it down. The next, what happens next? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the books are like fascinating. Like I love yeah. reading Esther. Ruth's a good book. I would agree. The, I like the, Esther. The books like... named after women are awesome. So... <laughs> <laughs> I like the. <laughs> like as in Psalm West. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> I said that in my mind and then it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> We're talking about our favorite fictional books. I don't know. As, as I don't a... think they're all fictional. No, mine's not fictional. Oh, okay. Never mind. We're talking about our favorite. Um... Was I supposed to choose a fiction? No. Oh, okay. Come on. No. I mean, I can go on a whole spiel about John Green when I read them when I was a teenager. But... <laughs> Which John Green book? All of them. An Abundance of Catherines is my favorite one. I bought that Catherine. book and then I never read yes. it because I, I think I didn't like either. how they spell the first. How do they spell it? K A T H E R I N E. Yeah. 
that's how Catherine Dunn spells it, which is cool, but that's not how I spelled it. And I was like, oh. So you just didn't finish the book? I don't think I even started it. <laughs> I think I bought it, though, so you're okay. welcome, John Green. <laughs> yeah, it was hard for me to, like, find or to think, because, like, I've read a lot of books, um, especially over, like, the past, like, year or two, and, like, I enjoy a lot of them, but, like, it's hard for me to, like, pick, like, a favorite. Yeah. Especially when, like, for the longest time, my favorite was just, like, like a young adult. Like, I love, yeah. like, the Maze Runner series. Yeah. But, like, at this point... I definitely have read books that I have like enjoyed more. Yeah. But yeah. still, I I don't like none of them like took over the mantle as oh this is my favorite book. Yeah, I I would say like for years and years, if anyone asked, I would say my favorite book's Jane Eyre. Um, and like I wrote my thesis on gothic literature because I love Jane Eyre, and it's just a great book. I haven't read it since freshman year of high school probably um and it's not the book that I'm talking about today um I don't know I just think there are books that like stick with you for (laughs) a while yeah especially like in college I didn't read for fun as much as I used to so I feel like I kind of have a giant gap in like the last time I read for fun versus like the beginning of coronavirus when I actually had time to read for (laughs) fun again yeah. yeah. So Definitely. it was, I don't know. So that's what literally the book I'm, I read a book though, and I'm so guilty of being like, this is my favorite book ever. Like the book I'm going to talk <laughs> about is the one that I am yeah. reading right now. I still have 40 pages left, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's hard to get out of that like book hangover when you just like read a book that's so good and you can't contextualize it mm-hmm. with all the other books yeah. that you've ever read. Yeah, it kind of this one's the best. It kind of reminds me of like I think it's the same feeling of like, I mean it's different, but coming back from like, Jesus Camp and that like that high you get. I think you kind of get a similar in a different way, but a similar Mm -hmm. high from like after you read a a really good book, or I guess even sometimes after you watch a movie. But movies are such a small glimpse of uh, like a small usage of time that I don't think you can maybe quite get that high i mean i think that's like the beauty of a book is that it like it literally like transports you into like a different world so it makes sense as to why the book that you're reading now if it's any bit of a good book as to why you might think that it's your best because you're you know so much of your brain is is in that world of it Mm -hmm. um which i think is just you know shows how good some authors or bookmakers can be in uh You know, in in writing and and uh, achieving their purpose. I'm not referring to the author <laughs> as a bookmaker, ever. So what book? So when you're an author, when I'm an author, I can't call you a bookmaker. You can call me a bookmaker. Amazing. This is my friend Maddie. Matt She's Camp, a bookmaker. <laughs> the book that I want to recommend is *The End of the Affair* by Graham Greene. Um, has anyone read it? No. No. Is that John's brother? No. John's brother is Hank, and you uh, should know He's their that. cousin. I know Hank Green. <laughs> Everyone go follow Hank Green on TikTok. He's amazing. <laughs> no, Graham Greene was a British author who died in, like, uh, I have his Wikipedia pulled up. He died in 1991. Um, he was an English author. He was Catholic. Um, he was a convert to Catholicism, which was pretty cool. Um... And towards the end of his life, he was like, because uh, at the beginning of his life, he was like, I'm an atheist, like leaning agnostic. And then he converted to Catholicism and wrote a bunch of books. And he was like, 
by trade, I would say a detective novelist was kind of his field. Um, he wrote kind of in the like high time of English detective novels, but then he had two kind of more literary novels that were pretty, and like they all kind of had these Catholic themes running through them. Um, but The End of the Affair and The Power and the Glory, which I've read both of them, and I had a hard time choosing which one to talk about for this, because um, they're both, like, really incredible books. And um, the, the, they're kind of, like, more literary fiction, and we're super, um, I don't know, just super Catholic. But in, like, a very accessible way, I will say. Like, they have Catholic themes, but I think, like non-Catholics and people who aren't practicing can read them and enjoy them. Um, but The End of the Affair is about the end of a romantic affair. Um, and I think I was reading up on him before this, and I think it was semi-based on an affair that he had during his, his lifetime and like the relationship that he had with that, that woman. So we kind of open on this this scene, it's a pri the main character is a private investigator, and someone comes to him and asks him to investigate. He thinks his wife is having an affair, and he wants the private investigator to investigate. And what you find out is the private investigator had an affair with that man's wife. Oh. Um, Whoa. Snap, crackle, pop. And so he's in this kind of weird position, but now he's super jealous because the affair is over. He hasn't seen her or spoken to her in a while now and so he finds himself really jealous um that she might potentially have someone else um and so he accepts and start starts investigating and it's this kind of like slow burn of like figuring he it's it's a I don't know, I think you can kind of tell he's a detective novelist by trade because it's a mystery, but it's also a love story, and it's also a story about grace. Basically, you find out, you just, as he starts investigating, because he has this question of, like, why did this end? We were so in love. Um, and they were. They were, like, very much in love. Um, and she, you know, she wasn't in love with her husband, and um, there was a lot of there's a lot of like guilt wrapped up in that for both of them um, because he's also friends with her husband and um, he just he can't figure out why it's it's over um, and she really doesn't want to talk to him and she doesn't want to like tell him why this affair has ended um, and basically she's not she's not having an affair um, with anyone else and you find this out pretty early so it's not exactly a spoiler but um, you just start figuring out why she ended things. And then at the end, you get this letter from her explaining everything. Um, and I think it's the first time that I've cried at the end of a book in a while. Because um, I, I, don't, I don't really cry at the end of books, but it's just, just this beautiful like letter and it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And it kind of demonstrates grace in a way that I haven't thought about before because like neither of the characters really end up getting what they want, but they end up like so much better 
because of it. Um, and you can almost kind of see, um, after this experience, like, you can see how this experience has changed the characters and, and this grace. And it's, I don't know, the last line hits so hard. Um, and I can't, like, tell you guys what it is without spoiling it. But it's, it's a pretty quick read. Like, I read it in a weekend. I think it's really short. Um, but it's so packed full of so much um but yeah it's it's i think one of my favorite books i've read in a really long time so i highly recommend it i also recommend his other um book that's kind of in the same vein it's the power and the glory and it's set in mexico um during uh when catholicism was made illegal there and it's it's a priest who's kind of on the run he's kind of a disgraced priest who's on the run from the authorities um and it's just both books are so so good and you kind of get these unexpected heroes that you can relate with um who are not perfect um but kind of get hit over the head by grace yeah there's not many books that you read that or even storylines or you're you like like the person that's having an affair or like yeah. have, like you feel for like, <laughs> 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 wow the traffic is heavy today but yeah, there's not many books or I feel like or stories in general that you feel for someone that's like yeah. doing an act of that kind. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and you you get super frustrated with the main character at points because you're just like you're just not getting it. You're not getting this. Like mm. this is not clicking for you. Um and so it's it's very like human. Um I'll say, yeah, and he's not, I won't say he's a super sympathetic character, but you do end up sympathizing with him, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just a really human story. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. <laughs> All right, so, so this is one of my favorite books. Actually, my, my good friend Katie Stalter got me this book. <laughs> And I uh, got it for Christmas, and it's called it's called uh, Darn You Autocorrect, um, <laughs> and it's not actually called family. Darn. But, you know, this is a family podcast, so we're gonna we're gonna change what the first word actually is. Ding and, you autocorrect. Yeah. it's the same word as um, in Beaver Dam. Yeah, but you just take off Beaver. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Katie. Thanks, that, that solves the problem. No, yeah. so the, the people know. <laughs> no, this is a great one. Um, it's it's written by uh, Jillian Madison, um, and and I think written is a is a uh, loose loose. <laughs> it's more. Um, hey, but she's a bookmaker. Right, that's true. She, she is the bookmaker the book. here. Um, but you know, it's as she she uh, uh, supposedly compiled a lot of. Uh, um, you know, examples of autocorrects. I'm sure a lot of them were also made up. But, you know. Read one for us. So this one, I just happened to turn to randomly. I wish we um, could see this right now. It's pretty. Make sure there's no swear words in it. Yeah, no, I checked because there's a lot of swear words yeah. in these ones. Um, but you know, um, so every page is just a, uh, it's a a picture of of an iPhone. Mm. You can you can see, mm. and uh, you see the things. Um, you see the messages. So this one's actually, um, um, apparently Jillian is having a message with, with Katie. K-A-T-Y, actually. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, no, no way. So <laughs> Jillian says, I'm making you dinner tonight. Is that so? Yep, and you're going to love my chicken flatulence. 
Oh god, oh god, oh god. My chicken Florentine. <laughs> Not flatulence. Haha. Ha. Um, maybe we should just order a pizza. Winky face. Classic oh autocorrect. Classic autocorrect, oh. you know? <laughs> so yeah, this is just a great book. Julia, uh, Jillian Madison, bookmaker of uh, Damn You Autocorrect. Does Darn You Autocorrect, giggle? sorry. Um, yes. <laughs> giggling all the time. Oh, that's good. Um, but no wonder I am giggling. Yeah. <laughs> but so what, Katie, what's your favorite book? Yeah, what's your favorite book, <laughs> So my favorite book... No, do you want to say your actual real Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get one. <laughs> um, no, so I think I've talked about... I don't know if I've talked about it in the podcast. I've definitely talked about it in other like House of Bridget content. One of my favorite books is Love Does by Bob Goff. But I feel like I've given that a lot of like attention, so I'm going to do a different book. But I have to... Like, I can't... If I'm talking about my favorite books, I can't, like, leave that one out. So Bob does, Bob Goff, Love Does, and also he has other books, like Everybody Always and a couple others. Highly recommend you check them out. They're just very positive. They're kind of more, they are, uh, like, a religious, spiritual-based, um, and they're just, just beautiful, can get you through a lot of hard times, or if you're just, like, already happy, it can make you happier. But my favorite book that I was going to bring up is a uh, newer fictional book. Uh, it came out in 2019. Um, by a new Irish author, um, Anne Griffin. Uh, so she is, um, she, she, like, this was her first book, and it was a, uh, uh, an, interna- an international bestseller, a number one bestselling author. Um, she has a new book coming out on April 29th that you can pre-order called Listening Still. I know nothing about it. I just am seeing it on her website for the first time. Nice. Not endorsing that one necessarily, but I am endorsing what all is said. So when all is said is a really cool, it's just a really cool concept. So it's about this this um, older man. I think he's he's in his well in, well well into his eighties. He's an Irish man. His name is Maurice, um, and he knows that his his life is 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 nearing the end. Um, he's just he's getting old and everything like that. Um, so he goes to his favorite bar, um, and throughout the course of the night, which is when the book takes place, it takes place all in one night. Um, he orders five different drinks and uh, has a, a toast for a different person in his life for each of the drinks. And then the, the book is him you know, telling the toast and sharing the stories of those people. And what's really cool is, that, is how he's able to, um, or how Anne Griffin is able to just tell the story and tell the entire um, story of, of Maurice's life through just five characters um, and obviously other characters in there are in there but like like for example the first toast that he has is for his brother so it kind of goes back to how his his older brother and how his older brother was so important to him growing up as a kid so then it takes him back in time to like his childhood and how he's growing up with with his older brother um, and his family and things like that um, and then and then it'll jump to the next toast, I believe, might have been like his wife or something like that. That obviously was much later than the time that the brother was. But throughout the whole five toasts, um, and then the little beginning and ending of it too, there's just it like everything is connected, and you learn the entire story. And it's such a beautifully written story, um, and it's not like like you kind of have to to you have to be paying attention at points because you have to piece together where things are going and like where there there's this one object i'm not going to give anything away but there, there's like an object that keeps coming back um and and where is it now when it's 40 years later but then 20 years 20 years ago where was it it's kind of things like that 
Um, so it's it's really cool. It's very emotional. It's um, uh, a very, you know, it, it's about this guy who pretty much knows that his his time on Earth is over, um, and so it's it's him telling the story and he's telling having these toasts alone at a bar um so as you can understand like that would be emotional if you're you're thanking the five most important people in your life and they're not even there um but it's just it's just really beautiful it's something that it's like i wouldn't say it's an easy read but it's also not difficult it, it's it's long but you can get through it relatively quickly and i thought it was cool that it was an irish author when i found it i was in i was in colorado with some of my friends and we went to a like a little uh, books bookstore it's just kind of like a bookstore in a mountain um and you know I, like everyone was getting like one different book for the plane ride home or just to have and i was looking and um uh like the bookstore clerk lady um came in and was talking to me and i was like oh do you have a recommendation and she handed me when all is said i am griffin and said this is the book that i recommend to everyone um and the like my husband or brother or someone some man in her life she said that um it was the only book that she's ever seen made him cry um and so i was like well that's powerful and like if it was also like not the most expensive books which i always find to be impressive when a bookstore person is trying to like not just make you buy like the most expensive newest book you know but it was really cool i really i do suggest it it's a fun one it's a fictional it can make you think um, cause then it got me thinking about like, who would my five people be that I would give a toast to? Um, and hopefully I have a lot more time in my life because like, I mean, at my point, like 20, 23 was still his, like the ending of his early years section kind of, of his story. So of Maurice's story. So maybe there's still three or four more people to toast to, to come, but I don't know. Yeah. So it was cool. Was, like, the bartender ever a key, like, was he talking to anyone, or was it more so, like, his in his mind? Or was he, like, speaking this I, out loud? I think he was writing it all down. Oh, okay. Because I'm pretty sure he was sending it to his son. Got it. Pretty sure. Um, but, like, that was, like, a little detail that wasn't, like, the most important. The bartender did, did come into play a little bit. It's kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah. And it what, was, like, in a hotel. What was the name of the, again? When all is said. When all is said. So it's like when all is said and done. By Anne. By Anne Griffin. Griffin. Okay. Yeah. Love Maurice. He's like, oh, and it's like really cool that, you know, when like someone tells you a story from their perspective, almost always they make themselves out to be like, the bet the the hero like the they're the the better one like if some if there was a fight, like and you tell it from one of their sides they're gonna be justified from their side. So, like, he's saying it that way. So the words are coming off as if he was always right. But because the way that Anne Griffin wrote it, it's like, he's, you you like him because he's the main character and it's his story. But you still realize at times, like, you were a jerk, Maurice. Like, this was your fault. You could have handled this much differently. So it's it truly is. It's not like one of these books that just... Um, like elevates the main character and puts him on a plat on a like a silver plate it's like he is human and he lived his whole life and just like every human who lives their whole life like they do good and they do bad and they've made mistakes and they've hurt people along the way um, but they've also helped people along the way and i think it's a really good representation of just the whole human story that's really cool yeah. thank you for sharing yeah 
And also, uh, darn you, autocorrect. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious text messages you didn't need to send. Okay, so my book, um, I've talked about it with a few with you guys before, and Maddie and I have talked about it because we both read it. But it's Silence by Shush- uh, Shusaku Endo, and um, it's a yeah, it's a really good book. And so I pulled up on my phone a little bit about him. So he is from Japan, um, and he died, he was born in 1923 and died in 1996. Um, and so he was a, a writer, but a big thing to know about him was that he was Roman Catholic. And um, so his book, it, I have some notes pulled up about it. Um, but so his book takes place in the 1600s in Japan. And so something that you should know about during this time, um, Christians in Japan were persecuted for their faith. And so if essentially they were told, if you were found out that you were a Christian and you were worshiping, you were told to renounce your faith. And so either that meant you would just kind of come out and say like, Jesus is like, in, in a way say Jesus is not my Lord and savior, or like basically just say anything along those lines um, <clears throat> or like disrespect the image of Christ um, and if you didn't do that, you were killed, usually, or you were imprisoned. Um, <clears throat> and if you were a woman or a man, some things might have happened to you different, just based on that fact. Um, and so you have, th- I would say, you have one real main character, but I'll say you have three ones that you actually like really need to know. And so you have one father named Father Rodriguez, one father, is it Father Garpe? Do you remember Father mm. Garp? I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't at this point um and then father ferrera ferrera um and so essentially um all all three of these priests they are from portugal and um so the first father rodriguez and his his sidekick father garp garpe however you say it um they are told they are actually go to japan and they're there to evangelize um and so when they get there they're told that they're um, I guess you could say their mentor or like the person that really guided them in their faith um, Father Ferreira had been um, taken by the Japanese government um, and he had renounced his faith um, and so they heard a couple different rumors about him that he was married and that just a couple different things from <clears throat> different people excuse me and so they were obviously very saddened because this is the man who you know, is supposed to have given them their, their faith um, and really formed them. And so they really question it. And a lot of the book, um, especially Father uh, Rodriguez, just really tries to grapple with the fact that, like, someone as amazing as, as his mentor could, you know, could actually um, do this. So he never, really, he never really admits to himself that that could actually be a, cha- like a, a possibility. And so, long story short... These two priests, um, they're looking for Father Ferreira, but um, they're still evangelizing. They're meeting lots of different Japanese Christians who are all, you know, hiding their faith. And eventually, they are both um, captured and imprisoned. Um, and it's really incredible because um, it's just it. The book I like the book a lot because it shows a. Like an insight of what the like, if, especially what Father Rodriguez is thinking. Um, actually, the book at the beginning, it is written in the perspective of Father Rodriguez. It's written in kind of as his like journal, 
And then as you keep going, it eventually is in a third person that, you know, knows the whole story. Um, so you don't really know what Father Rodriguez is thinking anymore. Um, so it's just a really cool understanding of that. But you get to, throughout the entire book, kind of understand, like, how human Father Rodriguez is. And, like, how even ask God, like, like, silly kind of questions about, like, you know, things that really don't matter, but he's kind of self-conscious about. And then he'll also ask God about, like, you know, things that really matter, life and death situations. Um, and so pretty much the entire um, entire idea behind the book is that like kind of understanding the silence of of God and understanding that like like seeing these fathers especially Father Rodriguez's story of how he kind of grapples with the silence um, and I don't know how much more I should tell the story because you can't give yeah, much away I, I wouldn't um and because so the ending is like one of the most powerful yeah. endings of yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, I'm trying. That's why I'm having a hard time. Kind of, I feel like I'm tiptoeing a little bit yeah. because I don't want to give too much. But I will say, I think um, I will. Th- I think that uh, Shusaku Endo does a really good job of kind of humanizing these priests and really making them feel very faithful. But at the same time, sometimes like. Sometimes I would even say a little bit conceited. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of, they just, it's really, really cool um, literature. Um, and I would just probably recommend it to anyone, ever. So good. How many pages is that? Mm-hmm. We have it in we there. Have it on the I want to say it's only like 300 pages, I want to say. Also, if you don't want to read the book, if you don't have access to the book, you could also find the movie online. Yeah, it's a uh, Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. Um, it's a good movie. I would read the book. There's 267 I, pages. Okay, so almost 300, yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty short read, it's but... Sh- it's shorter. It's pretty compact, though. Like, it's pretty dense. A, yeah, I, I don't think it's a book that you'd ever want to be like, I'm going to read it all in one night. Like, I think you need... I think it's actually better if you're going to say, I'm going to read this over maybe several weeks and take time to, like, really concentrate on what you read. It's super heavy, too. Yeah. Like, it's hard to read at points, mm-hmm. so very good though sounds good so like I said I have a lot of like when I read a book I'm like this is my favorite book ever like I don't know if you've ever read Tuesdays with Maury but that was one of my favorite books in high school because the man Maury had ALS and my grandpa did and it was so good um but the one that just like really resonates with me I actually also got for Christmas for my great friend Matt Davis and it's called The Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America. <laughs> oh my god. I know we're supposed to bring joke books. I know. It was... We planned this like what two oh, weeks ago or so whenever we thought of it. Maddie why didn't we know anything? I don't know. <laughs> um, but basically this book is just tips for watching birds. It explains the types of birds. Uh, some extinct species and it encourages you to keep your own bird journal which my biggest fear is birds um, so I don't think I'm going to do that uh, but let me just read one of it these. was a really thoughtful gift was it? <laughs> yeah it was very great so there's this is okay so they take the names the actual names of birds and then they rename them so this is the common name is great blue heron but in this book they call it great blue moron um, oh my 
It says, This big moron is found throughout North America. It's usually standing shin-deep in the water like an idiot. The largest of the North American morons is always trying to choke some giant fish down its stupid neck. There are plenty of other fish that would fit. And that, my friends, is the great blue moron. Such a good it really blows my mind that we just went to talking about something like the book Silence to the great blue moron. The front cover is just a bird with the title White White Breasted Butt Nugget. <laughs> I recommend The Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America by Matt Crotch? Crotch? I don't know. know. But I recommend it uh, for your own entertainment. Wait, what is his last name if people actually want to bite? Okay, it's Matt K-R-A-C-H-T. Croc? 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 Okay. No, but the real book that I'm going to talk about... I mean, that's a real book as well, but the meaningful one that I'm going to talk about is called The Choice by Edith Eager, and I just found this book um, in Eason the other week, and Katie actually pointed it out. It's an international bestseller right now, Um, and Edith Eager is a 93-year-old woman now, and she just wrote this book a few years ago, so that's pretty incredible in itself that she's, you know, telling her life story, and I'm always a fan of just like memoirs and like uplifting books and motivational books. So this is one that definitely is uplifting and just like hopeful. Uh, The front cover even says, even in hell, hope can flower because uh, Edith was, she's a Jewish woman and she was alive during the Holocaust and she actually survived Auschwitz. And so this book is kind of separated into parts. Um, She, it starts with like her story itself of her experience in the Holocaust so the first part is about prison, her being in the prison of the Holocaust. And then she escapes. I won't go through how she escapes and all this stuff. Um, so part two is called Escape. Part three is Freedom. And part four is Healing. And she is now a really well-known psychiatrist. She ended up getting all of these like qualifications and has her PhD and has helped a lot of people through trauma. And so, yeah, I just think this book is really important for everyone to read because it talks a lot about trauma and the first thing she says in the book is like do not compare your trauma to my trauma like yes I was in the holocaust but any trauma is trauma and like healing needs to happen in all traumas no matter if they're like little traumas or big traumas or however people may see it um so this book has been really helpful just for the time being like because I know the pandemic in itself has been trauma for all of us and it just kind of gives concrete tips of like how to open up your trauma to therapists or to friends and family and it also talks about like how you might not even know some of your trauma it might have been like rooted in your childhood by your upbringing because she even talks about a lot of her trauma besides the holocaust was rooted in her childhood of like feeling unworthy or unseen by her parents and it's just like a lot of unpacking about like how every moment of your life is super important in who you become and like how you live. So yeah, this book is just really good. I'm not going to give details about it because I feel like it's really captivating. And once you like start reading it, you just want to keep reading it. And there's so many details. Um, and I don't want to like do it wrong, like speak it wrongly. Uh, I have 40 pages left as well, but I think it's really cool how she talks about she was freed from the Holocaust, but 
there was so much freedom that was to come and so much healing that was to come. And yeah, she's just a really, really great woman. Go look her up on YouTube and like watch all of her videos as well because she just tells a lot of really great stories. And I love this book and the bird book. <laughs> but yeah. That the, every time we talk about this book, because I feel like we've talked about it a few times mm-hmm. since you bought it, it does sound like, it just sounds really incredible. Like her story just sounds like, I don't know. I don't know how she how she's doing it. Yeah. But. And it's crazy because, like, Joseph Mengo, Mengel, do you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She danced, she's a ballet, she was a ballerina before the Holocaust, and she, like, wow. was forced to dance for him, and, like, yeah. that's how her, her life was, like, saved, because she danced, and, like, she did all of this stuff from, like, her upbringing in the Holocaust, like, there were little things that she clung on to to help her survive, uh, and I feel like even, uh, like, I've realized in the pandemic, like, I've been clinging on to hope or to, like, future things in some type of way to, like, get me through the pandemic, and yeah. I think it's just, like, really important to read this book right now as well, because it's very correlated to our own experience. I mean, not the Holocaust, but you get what I mean, like, trauma-wise. And there's also pictures from, like, pre-Holocaust and then post-Holocaust that are just really cool to look with, to put, to look at and put faces to names and everything. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. (laughs) Yeah. To to that. Happy World Book Day Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. Um, If you guys want to tell us about any books or have any book recommendations um we would love to hear them so please feel free to email us at talkbreed at gmail.com um or you can always just message us on instagram at house of bridget we are releasing our own little uh list of book recommendations with the other house of bridget in wexford and so that should be up for that well, world book day on friday friday Friday, April 23rd, I believe is the date. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much Thank for you. listening along with our favorite books. To our favorite books. Well, that might yeah. be say. Thank you guys Just for thanks. listening. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. St. Bridget. Pray, pray, pray for, for us. us.